Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue with our series titled The Way of the Cross. Christine Gershom shares with us today on how this way is one of committed prayer. If Jesus, the Son of God himself, needed to pray, how much more do we? Hi church, what a blessing it is to share God's word with you today. As you know, we've been doing the series called The Way of the Cross. We've been looking at how this way is a narrow way. We looked at how it's one of impactful influence. We looked at how it's one of selfless service, one with incredible hardships, and how we have to keep dying to ourselves while we take this narrow way. And today we're going to be looking at how the way of the cross is one of committed prayer. If you look at the Gospels and the road leading up to the cross for Jesus personally, prayer was just part of his life. It was part of his DNA. It was who he was. It's how uh, you would see him in the different uh, narratives of the, the Gospel writers where they said, He would go into solitary places. He would pray through the night. Sometimes he would pray and then he would come into the towns and the villages and do mighty things amongst the people. Jesus himself needed prayer in order to have it like a fuel that fueled his ministry. And it kept him connected to the father. It kept him in touch with his mission. And so if prayer was that important for Jesus, imagine how important it is for us. And today we're going to be looking at what this committed prayer looks like. I'm no guru on prayer, but I'm blessed to come from a family of those who have prayed. I've watched them on their knees from my grandparents to my mother. I have watched them pray. And I know for a fact that prayer works. And I know for a fact that without prayer, we Christians will walk powerless, ineffective lives. And so prayer is vital. It's like the fuel to the engine. In fact, it's the engine itself. Without it, we can do really not that much, not what we were created to do. So prayer is vital. And so I just want to, before we get into how we actually live a committed uh, lifestyle of prayer, um, I want to just come up, tell you a few things about prayer. Okay. So the first thing is that it's two-way communication. We often think of prayer as just sitting down and just, you know, giving God this to-do list, you know, do this for me, Lord. I need this help. I need this promotion. Protect my children. Protect my spouse. Give us a great marriage. And the list goes on. But really, prayer is two-way com- communication. It's between our Father in heaven and, his, and with us. And so it, it warrants that not that we just don't keep talking, but we also spend time listening. Philip Yancey writes this in his book on prayer. He says, prayer is keeping company with God. That's how simple it is. It's literally taking time away from your busy day and saying, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. Not for anything. I just... Just want to spend time with you because God is still in the business of speaking back to us. He speaks to us. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Are you lacking in wisdom for your job? Are you lacking in wisdom in parenting your children? I know I am. And this has encouraged me. He says, call to me. I will answer you, he says. He doesn't say I may. He doesn't say I can. He says, I will. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That is the promise. And so today in our prayer times, let's keep a two-way communication open. Let's be prepared to speak, yes, to unload, but then to spend time listening. So often we cram 
prayer into our schedules and we we just kind of spend time just you know unloading sometimes even by rote we just going at it but what if we just took time to sit and allow god to speak to us in the stillness the second thing is that prayer requires us to ask for anything this is what jesus says john 16 verse 23 to 24 and in that day you will ask me nothing most assuredly i say to you whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you until now you have asked nothing in my name ask and you will receive that your joy may be full ask for anything in his name according to his will it will be done i, I love this illustration that mark batterson writes he says 100% of the prayers i've never prayed will never be answered the saddest thing is for a prayer that was never prayed because then there's always the possibility of it being prayed so whatever is on your heart however illogical it seems to you however beyond the realm of possibility it is pray it out declare it out ask for anything that's what jesus has said either to you have asked for nothing but now you can ask your father for anything in my name and he will grant it to you the third thing is that our prayers are so precious to god revelation chapter 8 verses 3 to 4 says this another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all god's people on the golden altar in front of the throne the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of god's people went up before god from the angel's hand from this passage in revelation it's so obvious that our prayers are like sweet incense before god and you know the fact of the matter is this that our god is so relational he enjoys his creation he longs to be in relationship with us and that was the purpose for sending jesus to us to connect us and so when we pray it connects us to him and he loves it and so let's not assume that you know what he knows everything so why should i pray let's not go down that road the truth is the prayers of the saints are being heard and he longs to answer them he longs to respond to us maybe not in the way that we want it but he is waiting to hear our prayers they are precious to him every prayer you pray you can be assured that somewhere in eternity it's ricocheting and is going to have effect no prayer is wasted be assured that every prayer is so precious the fourth thing is that our prayers don't need eloquence i've loved watching our three children learn to pray and the funny thing is that they just mimic what they hear they they listen to their grandparents pray or they hear us pray and then they just get these catch phrases from all of us and as they've grown older it's it's interesting because they've used phrases they didn't understand at all since so we taught them how to just talk to god like they would a friend and that's when they realize that you don't need to be eloquent like the adults to hear your prayer in fact it's it's uh, it's a it's a funny thing in our family one of my nieces she actually spends all of her prayer time family prayer time praying for our dog and her parents say you know why don't you pray for regular humans but she she spends 10 minutes praying for our dog and that i think is the is that's why we are called to be like children we don't need to be eloquent uh, matthew chapter 6 verses 7 to 8 this is what jesus says and when you pray do not keep babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him strip down all the jargon take away all the frills 
Just ask what you need to ask. Tell him what you need to tell him. Adore him for who he is. You don't need fancy words. A lot of times when we're in common gatherings, there are few who are afraid to pray because they don't think they sound eloquent enough, but you don't have to worry anymore. Jesus himself said, don't babble. Just say what you need to say. So that's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is that our prayer closets are more important than our prayer pulpits. If you watch the movie, The War Room, there's this old lady who teaches a young woman how to pray for her marriage and her children. And she shows her in her beautiful house, she shows her this small little walk-in closet and says, this is my war room. This is where the big battles and the small battles are won. And inside the closet is a chair and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, things stuck on the wall, paper stuck on the wall. There's a journal with a pen. And basically, this is where the lady closes the door, sits in there and prays for her, the needs of those in her life, prays for herself. Do you have a prayer closet? Charles Wesley's mother, Susanna Wesley, had 19 children. I don't know how she did it, honestly. But she didn't take that as an excuse to not pray. She would sit in her small little house with 19 children running around her. And she would just put a shawl over her head and get into the presence of God. What is our excuse today? Do you have a prayer closet? It doesn't have to be a walk-in closet. We don't have that in India. Do you have a wall, a corner? Do you have a shelf maybe which you could stick up with your prayer requests, with pictures of what you have in mind for yourself and your family? Maybe it's those things you cannot mention to anyone. But do you have a space that you can just sit at and instantly the presence of God fills that space? A famous author once wrote this, the prayer closet is the arena which produces the overcomer. More than any pulpit or stage you would ever need, your prayer closet is the most important thing. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6 verses 5 to 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Isn't that amazing? We don't need to parade our prayerfulness. We don't need to talk about it. We need to get down on our knees and pray. That's all that is required. It could be your room. It could be your living room. It could be your child's nursery room. Wherever it is, find a niche and that's where your battles will be won. That's where your battles will be fought. The final thing about prayer that is interesting to me is that the one obstacle Jesus himself mentions to a prayer being unheard is unforgiveness. This is what he says in Mark 11, 24 to 25. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Just one condition. We need to forgive. How often have we stepped into times of prayer, forgetting that we have probably five, six grudges against people, when here we stand before Christ, washed in his blood and righteous before the Father? How often have we forgotten just how forgiven we are? Jesus himself says, when you come before me, forgive anyone you have a grudge against. And so I want to encourage us today when we talk about the aspect of prayer, that even at this moment, if you have anyone 
that you have a grudge against, be it a family member, be it an adult child, be it a friend, be it a colleague, be it your boss, would you instantly just forgive them? Tell God, Lord, I, I, I wipe the slate clean. That grudge I have against them, I commit it to you. I forgive them. Before we step into this, that's a very important act, needing to forgive someone who has hurt us. And so that's the one condition that Jesus gives in the Gospels, which is learning to forgive those who have sinned against us. So now coming back to the way of the cross, and remember I told you it's one of committed prayer. There's so many instances in the Gospels, in the lead up to the cross, where Jesus mentions prayer. Jesus himself prayed a lot, like I told you, but he also specifically mentions how to pray. And so we're going to look at how we can live a lifestyle of prayer. There are three things, I believe, three ways in which we must pray in order to make it a lifestyle. The first thing is that we must start praying pivotal prayers. What are pivotal prayers? Let's take it from Jesus's example itself. Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. So this is the famous Lord's Prayer. And this is taught to the disciples in response to them asking Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. And such a humble request. And Jesus honors it immediately by teaching them this concise to the point prayer. If you notice, there's no frills to it. There's nothing attached. There's literally not an extra word to it. And so I think a prayer like this is what you would call a pivotal prayer. What is a pivotal prayer? There's a book called uh, Praying Pivotal Prayers by Tim Elmore. And this is what he writes about pivotal praying. He says it means that we learn to pray at higher levels. Our prayer becomes mission-driven not maintenance driven. What is maintenance driven? Basically, all our prayers are maintenance driven. Lord, help me with my job. Lord, give me wisdom at my career. Lord, I'm changing positions now. Tell me what to do in my job. Or I'm struggling with my kids. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't have enough money in the bank. Help me. Heal me, Lord. I'm struggling with the sickness. Maintenance. We're most often in maintenance mode. But here, if you look at Jesus' prayer, when he teaches the Lord's prayer, what he is saying in, in two definitive um, lines, this is what he says. He says, may your kingdom come soon. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These two lines are so powerful because they're really not about us. They're about the kingdom. They're about Jesus and what he wills for our lives. And so when we start praying pivotal prayers, we stop being self-centered. We stop being so focused on ourselves and our needs and our family and our loved ones, which is important. I'm not denying that it is very important. But what if we start turning the existing prayers on a pivot? What is a pivot? If you've studied in physics, it's like a fulcrum. It's this point at which you move something, you need very little force to turn it, right? Similarly, our existing prayers, if we would only begin to pray this saying, Lord, I'm in the middle of this horrible financial crunch, but what is your will for me? Lord, what are you trying to teach me from this? From this sickness, Lord, how can I bless someone else? Father, I'm struggling with my parenting right now, but what is your will for me? What are you having in store for our family? 
That's what a pivotal prayer is. It turns that on its head so that it's not just about me and my improvement and my maintenance, but it's about the kingdom. It benefits the kingdom. I remember a friend of ours, um, she's from another country and she was telling us her story about how she was diagnosed with cancer when she was in her late 40s and she was broken about it. And she was talking to another friend who runs a huge organization and she was telling him, you know, I don't know why God allowed this to me. And he said, you know, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the why question. You need to ask the how question. And she didn't understand what he was saying. And this is what he meant. He said, you're asking why me, Lord? But he's saying, you need to ask, Lord, how can this be used to serve you better? How can this be used to bring your kingdom into this earth? And, you know, for me, that has changed my perspective. That has never left my mind. Because no matter what our struggles are, no matter what we're battling, when we pray with a kingdom mind, the Lord answers. Because pivotal prayers are so focused on him and the kingdom. He knows that and he enjoys that we're able to see beyond our circumstances into what's happening around us in the invisible realm. So can we start praying pivotal prayers? Can we stop being so focused on our own maintenance, on our own improvement and start looking beyond and saying, Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come here on earth through me, through my family, through my work, through my finances or the lack of it. No matter what, may your kingdom come. That's what a pivotal prayer is. The second kind of prayer I believe that we must begin to pray in order to have a lifestyle of committed prayer are persistent prayers. And this is what Jesus teaches from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 10. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used the story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out for his, from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I'm going to continue reading from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, another illustration of persistent prayer. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? I don't know about you, but I feel like the first story was a bit on the, you know, it was a bit of hyperbole because 
I mean, which neighbor nowadays comes and knocks until we open and, you know, ask for a loaf of bread? Maybe in that time, culturally, it worked. But Jesus was passing on a very important point to his listeners. He was saying, hey, listen, you think you're asking the same thing again and again? Continue. Keep asking for the same thing. Go for it. Ask me again. Ask me again. Ask me again. I, I remember that in the book, The Circle Maker, which Mark Patterson writes, this is what he writes about persistent prayers. He says, persistence is the magic bullet. The only way you can fail is if you stop praying. He also says this, most of us give up too easily and too soon. We qu quit praying right before the miracle happens. And, you know, we can never be sure when the miracle is going to happen, which means that we keep praying till it happens. He gives us this interesting um, expansion that you can think of every time you think of persistent praying. Pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. And that's what persistent prayer is. You know, we live in a time of microwavable food, uh, reheatable, um, you know, food that you just get from the, from the supermarket, just pop it in and it just heats up and you're good to go for a meal. But Jesus here is emphasizing not on quick fixes. He's not talking about the quick answers. How many of you can honestly say, I've been praying for something for 10 years and it's still not been answered? You're in good company. A lot of us are waiting for our answers. But here Jesus is saying, be persistent. Don't give up. Your miracle is coming. It may not look or sound or taste like the miracle you're looking for, but it's coming. Will you keep praying? Will you be persistent? Sometimes after a couple of months, we just give up. We throw our hands up in the end and say, Lord, I can't pray anymore. I am bored of hearing my own voice. How bored you must be. I'm using the same words, Lord. How am I going to do this? I've seen my grandfather do this. He had a prayer journal. And every afternoon when he retired, he refused to sleep in the afternoons. He would kneel down. He had a little prayer mat. He would kneel down beside his bed. He would open this prayer journal, which was full. It was a 120-page book, I'm guessing. It was full with his scrawling handwriting. It was, uh, we couldn't make out what those prayer requests were. But every day, Every day, no matter what kind of pain he was in, no matter what his day looked like, no matter how tired he was, he would pray the same prayers every single day, six days a week, irrespective of whether we grandchildren or his children were in the house. In fact, a lot of times my brother and I would just be having fun in the bedroom. But, you know, you couldn't take your eyes off this man who was on his knees praying the same things again and again and again. And I believe that a lot of his prayers have been answered already. I believe a lot are going to be answered soon. Will you take the time and the effort to be persistent, to keep praying? It, it You might sound boring and redundant to yourself, but it's okay. Jesus says, don't give up. You just need to keep pushing forward. You need to have this never give up attitude when it comes to prayer. The third way, so we looked at, we looked at the first thing, which was pivotal praying. We looked at the second thing, which was persistent praying. And the third type of prayer we need to start praying in order to have a lifestyle of committed prayer is prophetic prayer. Now, I know that you're probably thinking, what on earth does that mean? Isn't prayer in itself kind of prophetic because we are praying things that we, we sometimes can't even see and it's true. But let's look at what Jesus said. Mark 11 verses 22 to 25. This is what it says. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea 
and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Again, a heavy description for such a small concept. He's saying, look at this mountain. You can tell it to go and fall into the ocean and it will. What was Jesus saying? He's saying the things in your life that seem like mountains, the huge obstacles, the health conditions which are beyond your understanding, if you can only in your prayers, instead of only groaning, instead of drowning in self-pity, what if you turn that into powerful prophetic prayers? You know, the problem with us, I don't know about the older generation, but I know our generation, so often we're so petulant. We are so absorbed and wrapped up in our own lives that when things don't work out for us, we immediately go into self-pity mode. We immediately go into this, oh my God, this always happens to me. Why me, God? Why me? We sometimes go into a Jonah mode. Sometimes we're like, Lord, you know what? I don't deserve this. I didn't sign up for this. Why is this happening to me? I'm serving you. I'm following you. But why this hardship? Or maybe you're someone who's just at the verge of giving up and you're like, I can't do this anymore. This Christian life is too hard. What if I was to ask you to take a pause right now? What if we stopped the groaning? Because the truth is we can groan. We have all freedom before our God to come as we are, to, to take out the sackcloth and ashes, to scream, to, to shout before him and say, Lord, this is too much for me to take. But there comes a time when we must rise up from those ashes, when there comes a time when we need to pick ourselves up and say, you know what, mountain, this mountain of ill health, this mountain of divorce, this mountain of separation, this mountain of addiction, in Jesus' name, I command you to move. And that happens when we pray, when we pray with the authority that Jesus has given us, when we say, you know what, Lord, I know I'm in physical pain, but Lord, I believe that by your stripes I am healed. And Lord, even if the sickness doesn't leave, I believe I'm going to come out of it stronger. I believe on the other side of this mountain, there's a green pasture. I believe, oh Father, that you're going to give me the grace. I believe, oh Lord, that you're going to give me courage like I've never had before. And that's what a prophetic prayer is. The whole point of prophecy is not really foretelling because everything that should have been told has been done and completed in Jesus. But... Prophecy is actually forth telling. It's taking the word of God and speaking it into our life. And the power of God in his word is unbelievable. It's unparalleled. It's the living word of God. It's more powerful than a double-edged sword, it says, which means when we breathe it out into our lives, when we take the word of God, we speak it out over our lives, it will breathe fresh flames of life into our situations. Dead situations Stop looking like as if you're not going to make it out of that. What if you stand up and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to speak life into this situation. Even if it doesn't turn out the way I want it to. May I come out smelling of you, Jesus. May I have the aroma of Christ on me. May others know that there's something different about me. May people ask me what my story is. Even if my children don't turn out the way I intend for them, may they still glorify your name. May they still fulfill their callings on their life. That's what prophetic prayer looks like. I like what Mark Patterson writes. He says, prayers are prophecies. They are the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your lives. If my prayer is always going to be, you know what, God, I don't think I'll make it, you know, but just somehow um, just help me survive this. 
I'm only going to look like a survivor, just someone who's been dragged through the fire. But if I say, Lord, I want to come out on the other side like an overcomer. I want to come out, Lord, radiant. I want to come out powerful, Lord, just filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to bring life to other people. That becomes the script of your life. The transcript of your prayer becomes the script of your life. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that you will stop praying those petulant prayers and you will start praying those prophetically powerful prayers over your life, over your children's life, over your job, over all that you have on your heart. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. But use scripture and prophecy over your situations. As we close this service, I just want us to look back at the life of Jesus. If anyone we need to model our lives after, it's him. He was God in himself. He was 100% God, yet 100% human. And so he was so dependent on prayer. Like I said, it was the fuel to his life. And if it was that important to Jesus, it's so important to us. And from Jesus's life, you know, right from the Garden of Gethsemane, right up to the cross, there were three prayers that Jesus prayed. And I want to leave that with you today because Jesus himself was a man who prayed pivotal prayers. He was a man who prayed the prophetic prayers and he is also persistent. How do we know this? I want us to look at Matthew chapter 26. This is what it says, Matthew 26 verse 39. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. You look at this and you realize that here is Jesus being poured out with grief. He knows what he's going to suffer. He's God after all. He knows what's going to happen and he's dreading it. He's saying he's full of grief, but yet... There's a pivot. It says, I want your will to be done, not mine. And that's where he surrenders everything into his father's hands. Matthew 26 verses 42 to 44 says, Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time saying the same things again. And that just encouraged me so much. Here is God himself in the flesh, praying the same prayer, exact word for word, three times over. Sometimes when we pray excessively about something, I've had this doubt, Lord, do I really doubt you on this? But then I choose to again go back and say the same things, Lord, I need this. We need this breakthrough. And here is Jesus verbatim saying the exact same thing, over and over again, three times over in the garden, asking his father to take this cup of suffering away from him. Three times, persistent. The call of God for our lives is to be persistent in our prayer, just like Jesus was that night. The final verse is Matthew 27, verse 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I've never looked at this verse in the way I looked at it this time. I want, when I was looking at it, it sounds, it sounds grief stricken. It sounds war torn. It sounds like the mangled cry of someone who suffered. Yes. But I believe it was one thing more. 
it was Jesus's final declaration to the people around him that it was a prophetic act. He was telling them, guess what? I'm bearing the weight of the world's sins on my shoulders right now. I'm carrying the whole world's sins. I have fully identified with every man, woman and child on the earth. And he was finally saying that because of bearing the sin of the world, that he was forsaken by the Father. He was prophetically declaring to people watching and to the rest of the world, those of us who read the scripture, we know now that in that instant, he lost connection with the father because of the sin that he carried, because of his sacrificial death on the cross. And so Jesus at that moment declared it, not petulantly, but prophetically to tell us, hey, the work is done. What I came for is accomplished. And then he soon after that, he breathes his last and says, it is finished. Prophetic prayer. Today, I want to ask you, are you prepared to have a lifestyle of prayer? It's not complex. It's not rocket science. It's just getting into a deeper relationship with God. It's just saying, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to hear from you. I don't have the words, Lord. I'm not that eloquent, but I need you. I want to hear from you. I want to hear the secrets that you have. I want to hear it. I want to hear those mysteries revealed. That's what I want to get into. I want to be in a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I want to start praying prayers that are pivotal, which don't just serve me, but serve your kingdom, that don't just benefit me, but benefit your kingdom. I want to start praying those prayers which don't give up, that I'll probably pray for the next 30 years until I hit eternity. But I'm going to keep praying because that's what you desire of me. And what if we say, Lord, I'm ready to stop being so caught up in self-pity and asking the questions of why me, why now, why this? And instead start saying, Lord, I embrace what you're allowing in my life. And I believe that you have something great. I believe I'm going to come out just so brilliantly refined and so beautiful at the end of this. Even though I don't understand things, what if that's what our prayer life looks like? What if it's so refreshing? What if your prayer life has been utterly dry till now? But today, God's saying, hey, I want to revive it. Because no longer is it just a one-way conversation, it's two ways. I want to speak to you. Can I pray for you? If you're saying my prayer life has been in the doldrums, I have no prayer life. Father in heaven, we just come before you. We thank you that, Lord, without prayer, our lives would be without energy, Lord. It won't have the fuel it needs to run. And so today we ask that your Holy Spirit would drop in each of our spirits a desire to pray, not just for ourselves, Lord, but for your people all around the land, people around the world, people who are suffering, people who are in need. Pour out your spirit of prayer over us, that an urgency will arise in us, Lord, that we will desire to pray and to see your kingdom come. Help us, O Lord, to understand scripture. Help us, Lord, to claim scripture correctly and speak it over our lives. And so that we live like the conquerors you have called us to live like, Lord. Help us to be persistent, Father, in the, those prayers that, Lord, have been prayed for so many years and yet we don't see answers. We pray that we'll have persistence. And that we'll keep coming back to you, Lord. We thank you that you're a God who cares so deeply. And we love you for that. We thank you for that. We pray that, Lord, you will continue to hear the cries of our heart. I pray right now for those who have been in the wait a long time. I pray, Father, that those waits 
will come to a close soon. I pray those prayers they've been praying will be answered. We pray for those who are having sickness in their bodies, oh Father. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for those promises that have been claimed by people, oh Father. We believe it will come through in, in the right time. And we pray that it will happen, oh Father. We pray, Lord, that you will do the impossible. We pray, Lord, that you will do the amazing in people's lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. I pray that this week you will rediscover uh, the joy of praying, that you will not give up, that if you had an old prayer journal, you will revive it. If you have a prayer app on your phone, if you don't have one, you can always get something. You can find it on the app stores. Get an app. Put down your prayer request. Put an alarm for yourself. Spend time in prayer because more than anything, our lives need prayer in order to be really powerful and effective in the world we live in. So I encourage you to commit yourself to a lifestyle of prayer. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.